What is up? Welcome back to the Cousin Cecil Show. I'm your host, Mike Fowler, a.k.a. Cousin Cecil. And for this uh, Monday episode, I also have a guest. I got my friend, Mr. Delvin Cox. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good, Mike. How you doing, brother? Oh, pretty good. I obviously just, uh, this. well, of course, I would always like to have you on the show, but no, just more. Uh, we had a discuss. You had a discussion in the middle of the week, just that you you wanted to make you uh, put a real your own flavor into a video game podcast more than even the one you do. Yeah, I think it's. I think. Um, how do I say this nicely? Well, fuck it. I don't have to say this nicely. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like a lot of video game podcasts today kind of go through this similar format of. Let's talk about the news. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the top story, which is fine. But the way they go about it is boring. That's the best way to describe it. It's boring and tedious when you start hearing everybody talk about the same topic over and over again. And it's just monotonous. Monotonous, boring, bland. And I kind of get annoyed by it almost because none of the people that I listen to, well, I don't even listen to any of them anymore now, sound like actual regular guys who like video games. They sound they're trying to sound like everyone else. Like the Greg Millers, like the Colin Moriarty's, like and that's fine if you want to sound like them, but I find myself the more I get older. This is about podcasts in general. Not liking podcasts because I can't relate to them. Like there I'll give a perfect example. Their Joe Button podcast is one of them. I find myself not liking it because they're starting to talk about stuff that I simply don't relate to. Like, I don't relate to buying Birkin bags for girls and things like that. Right. So I was like, all right, you, we understand you're rich. So that's what we're going to talk about. So talk about your rich stuff, but I'm going to be over here with the regular people. Right. No, I get what you're even saying because also, like, even another perspective for sticking to the video game stuff. Like, you had all, like, even me. I've just been doing this for almost a year now. But um, a lot of people, they like to um, copy and paste some of the bigger wig ones, but then also they're copy and pasting like the jadeness of the people that have been in so long. Like, you know, not like, no, like nothing even to Greg Miller, but like he's been in it so long. Now he just now he just he's very different compared to what he was on IGN, where he was even from the beginning of kind of funny. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of all the like. I'm gonna be honest with you. A lot of the technical stuff almost bores me sometimes. And it's not because I don't want to hear about it. It's just that at some point I want to talk about the video games. How does this affect me as a gamer? Like I think I've seen a couple of topics you got here. One in particular I'm interested in the, the Switch topic. Everybody keeps talking about this. It doesn't have this. It doesn't have that. It doesn't have that. I'm like, okay, that's cool, though. But how does this affect me as a gamer? What, what interest, what it, what interests me about this subject in particular? Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get into it, and then obviously, uh, more <laughs> to keep a little bit of a formula that I've been always doing. Obviously, we'll we'll get right into also then, um, what what you've been playing, but also we're gonna do two quick reviews before we get into the real nitty gritty of the video game news. But yeah, uh, what you've been playing, Delvin? This is funny because I'm, I'm probably going to talk about this on PSXP, but what I've been playing is I got back into Arkham Knight. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah, I, I'll tell you why. Because when Arkham Knight came out, this shit, everybody shit knows about me, but I love the Arkham games. I love Arkham City. I love Arkham Origins. I loved, what was the first one? Arkham, Arkham Asylum. Asylum. I loved all those games. Yeah. Some of my favorite games ever. So when I got the Arkham Knight, I'm like, I think I, I bought everything that came. I got the special edition that has the, the big statue and everything of Batman and stuff. Okay. And I was all in on it. I played this game so much and I got to the point where at the end, you fight um the bad guy. I don't want to say who it is for those who haven't played it. I think you that's cool. The Arkham Knight. Yes. And after you beat him, they're like, okay, now you have to go collect all the Ripley trophies to complete the game. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. You to beat the beat Arkham Knight to really beat it to get the actual ending of the game. You have to collect like 300 Riddler trophies yeah. that are all around the city. And to me, like playing this game, that was like disheartening. That like broke me. Like, nah, I can't. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not doing this. This is too much. And I tried. I got at that time. I had probably got like 50 of them. I got it way up to do this back in the day. Two. I got it. So basically, I got it almost to all I needed was like 90 trophies left. Yeah. So I, it's been years now since I played it, and I got me a, a nicer TV. I got the the thin, I think it's the LG ThinQ, the fancy one everybody loves. Yeah. So I said, I, I was like, let me see how Arkham Knight looks on this TV. Looks beautiful. Looks like a PS5 game. It looks really great. Yeah. So I started playing it again. I'm, I'm still at that point. It didn't eat my save. So I'm still, like, if you look at my, my save file, it says 99% finished with the game. So I said, let me just try to get the, all the trophy, all the um, Riddler trophies so I can fight the Riddler and beat it and get the Arkham Protocol. So I'm doing that now. And also I forgot that when I originally played the game, none of that DLC was out. Oh yeah, because they released a whole bunch of DLC where you can like fight Man Bat and all that other stuff. Rachel Goo. Yeah, you get like Batgirl's story. You also get like the Harley Quinn challenges. Uh, yes, Nightwing, yeah. Red, and Hood. Red Hood. Yeah, I never played any of that, so I, I'm back in the game now, trying all that stuff out for the first time. I'm having a blast with it, so it's almost like I'm playing a new game. And I think it's awesome. I, I like the Arkham series also, and I I need to get back into Arkham Knight. I didn't get that far into it. I also, I bought the whole thing only because there was a glitch one time on Black Friday, like around Black Friday season, that the PlayStation actually, you could have, you got like the, the whole Game of the Year edition for like 10 bucks, and I hit That's it, I was, I was at work and just, and hit it. Uh, and I started, and I've never, I didn't have no qualms because of the, the Batmobile. And I had, I don't give two shits because, like, it, it feels good. It's not, yeah, like, it, it feels great. And let me add to that. Cause I'm glad you mentioned that. I forgot what also detail they added to it. They added in that game all, almost all the bat suits. Yeah, that too. So they have the Batmobile from Batman versus Superman. They have the Batmobile from the Eight Dark Knight. The 89 Batman, they have. 89 Batman. It's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. 
No, I have a. I think I because I had because of having all the DLC too. I think right before because I just I downloaded it on a PS4 be right before PS5 came out, and I I made my Batmobile have I believe I think I'm riding around with all the Riddler sticker or you know graffiti on it. Yes. And I think my I think I was my skin. I was being Batman Beyond. Okay. No. Yeah, I get it. No, I. You you talking about it makes me feel like man, I should just download it again because it's it's a good game. It's really fun, and I haven't seen it ever on like a PS4 Pro upgraded system. So I'm like, ooh. But no, and then uh, you said uh, what else did you say you played? That's the only thing I've been playing so far. That's oh. the main thing. I think I, I I beat Ghost of Tsushima already. I did that recently, and um, that's really it. I I watched, and I, that's because. Wednesday, I went to AEW Dynamite, and Friday, I watched Black Widow, and the other days, I was recording something, so that kind of took up my whole week, honestly. You already watched Black Widow? Oh, yeah. I watched how, it already. What, what, uh, how'd you like it? It was mad at me. I didn't like it that much. I thought it was okay. I'll put it you this way. I didn't hate it. I felt like it felt more like a year one MCU movie. Okay. As opposed to the modern day MCU movies that we have today. If let's say what okay, uh, I'm trying to think of a mediocre uh, Marvel movie. You like it better than Iron Man three? Hmm, that's an interesting one. I want to say I don't think Iron Man three is that bad. Besides that plot twist. So I would say it's on the same level as Iron Man 3. I'll say that. That's what it is. Because I ain't going to, I mean, of course it's doing. I also don't give a fuck about spoilers, but I know listeners. People are listening. Who gives yeah. a fuck? No one. Who? who? Chelsea's going to be spoiled? No. Nobody's going to be spoiled. <laughs> uh, no, but I heard there are some uh, connecting things that I just said about Iron Man 3 that happens in Black Widow of like a, a villain, but. The guy, also the guy, I this guy I met from work, so he might be brand new. He might be retarded. So who knows? <laughs> so. I, I I will say this: there are some things in there that it answers some questions like about Budapest and things like that, and it, it answers some of the long question of things about Black Widow. But then again, some of the things they answer, we're like, eh, I don't really care about that. That's the way they did it. I, I didn't like, like the whole. This has been a constant top topic on the internet. The whole Taskmaster thing has people up up and roused about that. I didn't hate it. I thought the execution of it that could have been a cool moment if they executed it better. That's my opinion on that situation. I will say also for a person who's not watched it, but also so me speaking, it should not be really spoilery. Uh, of course, this is a good, uh, this is probably, probably the closest comic book, comic book idea of like, hey, we're going to have a Black Widow book movie, but we're also going to introduce that there are multiple different Black Widows. Like, you know, there'll be like the Black Widow number three version of herself, which is that probably one of the sister, that sister or whatever it is. Yeah, because what people don't understand, this is going into comics, not necessarily the movie, but movie touches on this, that Black Widow is kind of like a title. Yeah. And they have multiple black widows. They work for like a Russian organization and stuff like that. And they all kind of like 
it deals with a kind of gross thing in terms of I wonder it's not like sex trafficking, but it kind of is because they're trafficking child soldiers essentially, child women soldiers. Yeah, they also they become like double double agents. Yeah, yes, all that shit. But also for people who want to see where the future of MCU uh, goes, I know that the post credit scene is probably what for me the most interesting part because obviously just it's another breadcrumb of something you saw like in Falcon Winter Soldier and all that shit because TikTok spoiled that I watched the post credit. Okay, scene <laughs> I will say this. Besides that post-credit scene, there is nothing in there really adding to the future of the MCU. So it kind no. of this movie feels completely out of place. And I would go even further and say this movie probably would have made more sense if it came out right after Civil War. Or all like I don't know where I don't know where it is the time frame. Okay, I can tell you the exact time. Is it is it be is it, that's not I'm a spoiler? After I'm assuming it's after Ultron. Nope. It's oh, no. directly after Civil War. So that is, that's after Ultron. Yeah, this is okay. a direct sequel to Civil War. That's the best way to describe it. So if you look at this movie, it's Ultron, I guess Civil War is next, right? And then this. Yeah. So this is more of a direct sequel to Civil War as opposed to anything else. Because everything that's happened, I don't want to say too much to spoil it, but everything that's happened in Civil War has happened. And this movie is kind of Black Widow dealing with the ramifications of that in terms of her character. Yeah. They touch on that a lot in this movie. So that's once you get that timeline in your head, that's where you're at. Okay. No, and obviously so it's I've heard also the Twitter people there's people who love it and also people have just said it's okay. No one's ever nobody's said like it's dog shit. So obviously, yeah, it's in that in that B B range of movies. It ain't the best of the Marvel universe, but it's it ain't the worst. But yeah, no, it's I good to hear. I I almost I I wanted to go to an IMAX because I'm a I've never been to an IMAX theater, and B I heard IMAX had uh comic issue like comic books of a prelude for Black Widow. Oh, that's cool. I, I should have went for that. But yeah, um, I went to IMAX. I want to say twice. In the first movie I saw in IMAX 3D, believe it or not, was Green Lantern. Oh, sorry for you. I I actually enjoyed that movie in there. In IMAX 3D, I think that's what it was. In the second movie I saw in IMAX, period, was Into the Spider-Verse. And that was a funny experience because when I saw it in IMAX, I thought something was wrong with the screen at the beginning. Oh. (laughs) Because when you're watching it, your eyes have to adjust to how it looks. I'm like, is this 3D? Is something wrong with the screen? Yeah, that transition even from Miles having slower frames per second at the beginning to the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it took me a minute to adjust to that. Well, once I adjusted to it, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is no. But no, and I'm more glad you're jumping in because of uh, games and also and all that, you know, catching up some of your backlog. To be honest, for me, for what I've been playing, I honestly didn't play that much. I've been still kind of, I'm transitioning to a new job slash uh, that coming back from Florida shit. Uh, I've just been playing a little bit of Fortnite, but that's basically much it for me for uh, <laughs> playing games. And I've always beat that dead horse all the time on this show. So Did you get here. the final book? The final book? The final Fortnite book? I think issue six? 
it's in my pull list and it's um I I haven't went to the I haven't went to the comic shop yet but I already have it's in my I'm not that worried about that but I've I've already also I've also learned what happens and it's it's actually it was very mediocre in the middle because I got up to issue three because I have three back here. Uh, I've heard it's a little mediocre, but I've been watching with like videos of, like what happens. Issue six opens it up because this is this is so minuscule for people who care about a story of Fortnite. I'm going to spoil a little bit. Uh, it obviously doesn't end it. It also it just more reveals that Lex Luthor is behind it. Yeah, is behind it with. Uh, the Dr. Salone, who's from Fortnite and the IO guards. And that's pretty cool because in 30 days, Superman comes to Fortnite. So we'll see if that pushes the idea of them might say, yeah, we're going to do zero point volume two, which that's how it even ended. It says, um, not even close to the end. It says, I'm like, okay. That's yeah. Cool. Um, I got, I got it from my son today and I, well, he has all of them except issue four now. And he read it and he immediately showed me some of the characters that are in the book that got him excited because he's like, this character might come to Fortnite. Yeah. Okay. If, did he, if some of those issues, um, I think either issue two or three, you can see in the shadows, you see Loki before they announce Loki that's out there now for a skin. So yeah, it's pretty, um, it's cool. I'm also, but yeah, I'm just having had time to go up to the, uh, that comic shop. I've been buying digital comics, and that's my problem. <laughs> I can't. I can't do the digital. Is I've been having trouble transitioning back to physical because I want to keep the book nice. So I'm like this, like I'm like with the digital. I just go boom, 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 squish, like just go panel, 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 boom, done. I think I need to get a new iPad. Get a new iPad. Get it all nice and clean looking, and then just start loading up. Digital books on it like that. That, I, that'll probably get me to read digital more often than, than not. Well, good thing you transitioned about digital comics because we're also going to do two comic reviews right now. One of them, you don't have to say even anything because I know you haven't read it, but the, the second one, at least you'll have a opinion on since you read the first three. But the first, these two are from Scout Comics. So it's kind of cool. The fake sponsorship because I get those reviews, but, um, the first one, is called uh Tales Told in Techna Horror Season One. It's uh basically it's a black caravan imprint, so it's the more the more I don't want to say adult, but obviously it's the same uh print house from Scout, but that did like Cherry Blackbird, which was a a very adult eccentric uh comic. But here's the little synopsis that it gives you like we do on each episode, we're going to do four out of uh, best out of five for the uh, review. But Black Caravan's imprint, Tales Told in Techno Horror, is a uh, binarial horror series that blends the best in horror subgenres, body shock to grindhouse and more. Each issue contains five short stories from the dark minds that brought you province of madness, including a mini pinup gallery of horror. So, uh, more also, so we can also say the writers, I can't even fucking even say his name, but Kiryarn Taghan. And then the artist and colorist is Christian Debari. And I believe it says Simon Go is the letterer, but, uh, just more so I can break it down. 
the first issue I read, and I do like it's an anthology. So that's another better way to, to explain it. It's an anthology. I really enjoy also, it sounds dumb, but like each story, because how they say techno horror, so it's kind of, they're trying to stick to technicolor. Each story kind of has like a primary color for the, the main of the story. So like the first, the first story, which coincidentally is in the ocean, but so the blue is the more highlighted ish uh, color of the whole story. And the next one was like a more shaded pink, but the, the pink was the main color of the whole mini story. And I'm just more, because like, obviously I want to keep it spoiler free. Um, what we do obviously here, we, it's, uh, I'm going to give it, I give it a three out of five. It's pretty good. It's, um, to me, the stories seem, the, the, the stories seem good, but they're, to me, they feel like a, like more like a poetry poem of story because it felt short. They felt like very short stories. Like they're just trying to say like a, like a poem esque style of like sending a message that it was done. That would go to the next story. And then it kind of goes, it's like very short, short stories. Like I'm like, whoa, that's really short. So you can't really, I couldn't sink my teeth into the each mini story, but the presentation is good. The pinups, even like the art in the, is really cool. But yeah, three out of five. It's really good. That's like creep show. Yes. It um I don't even I'll I didn't even send you the thing, but it has a very interesting like cover, just like really cool uh like a spaceman skull and it's obviously says techno yeah. horror and all that shit. But but yeah, no, congrats to the team, three out of five, and Ozzy comes out this Wednesday. I, I gotta support Scout Comics because they're lo they're Think there are whole bases in Florida, in Fort Myers. I want to say, a lot of them are in Florida because even Mad Cave Studios is in Florida. Yeah, so got to support Mad Cave, got to support Scout Comics. They're hometown boys. I like it. I, I'm I'm debating on sending a message to Mark London because he's following me for the CEO of Mad Cave. Maybe he'll interview. But you should <laughs> go for it. <laughs> but uh, the next one is definitely a show's favorite and also been on your show uh mr brian hawkins uh we have black cotton issue four that comes out this wednesday ah and uh i'm assuming you didn't get to read it yet because obviously just you know just did how it worked but um you obviously read the series up to now correct that is correct and what you what do you think of the series from like issue one to three I think it's fantastic. I, I think issue one, we, me and you discussed it. You had concerns of where the story was going to go. Issue two and three answered those concerns pretty soundly. I, I like to say three was an excellent issue and it kind of put a, not without giving any spoilers. Cause I think this is something you want to read without, I think three brought another element that I didn't expect to see in this. That I thought was super cool. Three definitely has the element because obviously for this show, we gave that a five out of five out of all the issues. Issue three has a five out of five score from us. Well, from me. And then, uh, it's because it shows the next storyline. Yes. Because like, like, it. like we said, we've had a, there's a discussion that in my, in with you, me and, you know, others of just like, where is this plot going to go because of our universe has been kind of tainted with that whole police brutality discussion. So it's kind of, but they are doing very good 
on that discussion, but just at the same time, it is like a it's like a sore spot for our universe to be still talking about it. Yeah. But that side story that involves like just more how the world would go if, you know, like Black Cotton is, what if, you know, African American well, Africans came to the United the America before uh Europeans. That's the part that gets me the more interested for each one. Yeah, I agree. I, I like where the story was going to it. Just even going into the, I guess you want to call it the A story, the main story of Black Cotton. Yeah. I like what they did with it in terms of showing this other side. And like I said, I don't want to say spoilers of that situation. I feel if you wanted to spoil one and two because of it's just more not like spoil spoil, but the idea you can break down a little bit if you wanted, but you yeah. don't have to. Yeah, I don't want I don't want to spoil too much. I want people to re- go out and read Black Cotton. If you haven't read it yet, do so. But the, the story of Black Cotton is simply this: um, the world is kind of flipped, and as opposed to white Americans being the dominant race in America, it's African Americans are the dominant race in the country. And what's going on is there's a police shooting where a black officer shot a white person and it's causing a whole uproar because of, you know, classism and things like that in this situation and semi-racism and the tensions are very high and things like that and it brings up a lot of interesting conversations that I don't think we think about when these things happen in terms of, well, one, which I think is very important, did the cop mean to do it? Yeah. And also, also adding to that, how the cop's family feels about it, how the cop feels about it. And then, because me being a black person, I always see the side of, in terms of our life, how it affects that black family, how it affects the, their kids, if it's a father and things like that, how it affects the mother. It's interesting seeing it from the other angle of, hey, this cop, made a life-changing decision and him having to deal with the ramifications of that whether good or bad, whether he meant to do it or not, I think it's it's very compelling in that aspect. I think it's more compelling that it's not real yeah. in terms of like, we're not dealing with a real situation so we can go, we can, from the outside in us being readers, we can kind of analyze it and not necessarily pick sides, but Get a better understanding of the story. I, I like it a lot. It's great. Yeah. And then we'll even go, we'll, we're going to go right back to issue four, which is the review one that we're talking about. Uh, I don't have a real synopsis because I'll just more break it down spoiler free through here just because of, like, just how it went. But long story short, this issue, uh, kind of does a little back step compared to the, the progression of issue three did. And not in a back step in the sense of, oh, they, they fucked up, but the idea that it doesn't push the story forward. It goes now issue four is mainly just about Xavier, the younger brother of, uh, Zion, the cup, the, yes, the old, the, the cop. And then, um, it's more showing you now Z- Xavier. So since issue one, we've also seen Xavier is kind of more of the, um, in this universe, a white sympathizer. So, uh, obviously it just has a little bit of a plot and him seeing, uh, 
things that are happening that his family are controlling. And like, obviously that's where the story of issue four goes with, again, without spoiling it. And then some of the background shit I wanted more to say, because this ain't the story wise that I really enjoy about, uh, about the, you know, the little crump, like the little breadcrumbs that Brian and Patrick Foreman have done is like, um, okay, Xavier's going to school and his school is the, is El Shabazz high school. And so if uh, people that are like me that didn't know exactly who that was off, off, offhand, that's, that's Malcolm X's, uh, Muslim name, right? Yes. Yes. And, um, and then also another little interesting thing, cause they just do like, they just do it like very small. Uh, so because of this universe has Africans coming to America first, uh, Jesus Christ is not like the main, uh, religious person so there's a spot where um the, him and his girlfriend are talking instead of saying oh cri- for christ's sake they they actually said uh for shabazz uh no where is it selassie sake s-e-l-a-s-s-i-e so and that is apparently one of the the kings of africa that was before Haley selesi i like that by the way i like that they are getting the things they need to get right, right in terms of how, of course, if you have a culture that is made by black people, they're going to put their roots into what it is. In turn, I think you can say that about American. American culture is based upon, it's not a knock at all. So don't kill me off of this. American culture is based upon what white Americans saw the culture to be because they're the ones who founded the country. Yeah. So if they came in, their, 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 their deity was God and the son of God is Jesus Christ. So slang things kind of adapted off of that. And I like, I like the fact that black cotton is kind of turning the head on, on that fort and like, Hey, no, the, the people who kind of populated America in this world is black people. So you're going to have a more urban different take on that. I think that's good. I like it. I also, um, I, what is another one? But no, that's the little breadcrumbs I like to hear. And also, it also, also, well, well, tongue tied. They have Xavier also quote a white, uh, poemist from the European about this. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I'm like, huh? Cause I asked Brian, like, why do you, you why him in particular? And honestly, it's because it's a, we both agree on this idea. It was a safe route of picking this European poem, uh, you know, writer, so that obviously the effects of whatever happens in the Black County universe didn't affect them. But I am curious to know because they've also said down the road, they're all the history and like these little backstories that I'm interested in are going to be little breadcrumbs. But I do want to see when Black County hits up like. Where was Black Cotton's universe like when, which it maybe n- never happened, but like the idea of like, was there World War One? Was there World War Two? At least that's a good point. I like to know what happened there, but um, just the more for Black Cotton issue four, with the idea that um, there's a little bit of a back step that kind of goes into the score. I'm going to give the this issue a four out of five because uh, 
because they didn't give me more of the story that I'm looking for, but also it didn't progress even the the main story of Zion and with uh his you know the person he shot. Okay, I like that. I think I like that you're doing it. I like that. Um, I feel like sometimes when you're doing comic books, like they do it in movies a lot too, in TV shows especially, you have to have that high point and then bring people down just a little bit to bring it right back up. Oh, you're he. That's the thing too. That's why it's still a four to five. It is definitely that because that issue three ending and seeing like a like a a very comic booky idea that could ha- is going to happen with a uh, not even how to spoil it, but like there's going to be a possible assassination. That is definitely it's very comic booky of how they did it. But yes. the idea of it gives that's I'm like whoa, what's that story? And they just don't even talk about an issue four. I'm like, come on. That's the part of like, <laughs> I was like, man, that yeah. again, they're still doing great work. The whole team, Black Con, of, you know, of course, Brian Hawkins, Patrick DeForman. I can't remember the two other gentlemen's names, but they're obviously, they're out of the country names, so I can't remember them. <laughs> yeah. And they're doing a great job. I, I, I just think the art and the writing for that book is fantastic. I, that's, that's the parts that shine too. The whole book shines, but yeah. That's a little bit for that. Now let's get into the actual gaming news. That's why uh, you're here, I'm here. But uh, yeah, this week, we'll just start off. Uh, like you said, uh, Nintendo Switch came out. Uh, all those, uh, you know, the grub suckers came out. We wanted uh, <coughs> to make sure, like, uh, all these influencers, YouTubers saying, listen, the Switch Pro is coming. Watch. And then Nintendo opened up and says, hey, we got a new Switch Model. It comes with just an OLED, OLED screen, and that's it. Yeah, I think well, it comes with a little bit more than that. The switch, the switch. It's a new version of the switch. Essentially, it's not um, it's not a complete upgrade like people thought it was going to be. They thought it was going to be like the Switch Pro or whatnot. Essentially, it's a, a new OLED screen, which is a little bit bigger. I think it's seven inches instead of what the yep, regular switch is. It also comes with um. Not a USB drive, but it comes with a slot where you can plug in an Ethernet cord as opposed to wireless um, internet for the Switch, which is really good because the Switch docks sometimes have connection issues if the Wi-Fi is whack. So I like that aspect of it. And it looks it looks clean. It's, it's a There's two versions, if I'm correct. They have a white one. It's just a white one? Yep. I thought it was a white one and a red one. I, I'm pretty confident it's only the white one, but... um. Maybe they have, because also like the Joy-Cons, there's no different Joy-Con. So you, yeah, you have Joy-Cons at home, you can use the same shit. I'm more curious, I'm I'm more surprised you are sounding very uh, okay with it. I'm not saying let's go burn Nintendo, but the idea of uh, you even kind of trying to make it sound like it is different. It really isn't different besides because all the chips are the same. Like, there's no, like, because... Yeah, the, the internals are completely the same. Just a better screen, essentially. The grub fuckers, you know, said there's going to be a brand new chip with whatever whatever the mobile chips are so you can have 4K blah, 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 bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but it has an OLED screen that's 7 inches, and then, obviously, of course, it's bigger of, like, when I was going to say, like, a Vita, the old school Vita had an OLED screen, but... I digress on that part, and then, like you said, there's a new Switch dock, 
in the sense when it comes with the Ethernet port. Yes. But what I've heard through, you know, just listening to people, uh, people are like, that is great. But also, my, they're like, I've had an Ethernet port since the beginning, since I, I bought that USB. Uh, you know, I removed one of my USBs to have an Ethernet port they've done. Not saying that's that's the best way to do it, but like the idea that they also have raised it 50 more dollars just for a new screen and an Ethernet port. Do you like that? I think the OLED screen makes a difference. I like I like the OLED screen. Like I'm gonna get it. I think this is for people because if people don't know, this is kind of the third switch revision. Yes. The first one with the original switch, which I have still. Then they had one that just came with a better battery mm-hmm. at the same price as the original switch. And I think I want to say that phased out the original switch. Yeah. And now they have this model, which is based off of the newer model switch. But has an OLED screen instead of the, um, the regular screen it has. So I think it's a, a decent upgrade. An OLED screen makes a big difference in terms of like how it looks. And I don't know how that would transfer over to a switch. I, but I know on the Vita, it, it looked great. Like I have, I have a regular Vita with the OLED screen. I have one with it. With it I think it's an LCD. LCD screen screen. And the difference, while it doesn't seem like it's a lot, it's a lot. The LCD screen looks a little bit more washed out as opposed to the OLED. The OLED screen gives you these bright, vibrant colors. So I, me personally, I'm going to upgrade to the to the new newer Switch because I have the original Switch. So I'm like, okay, I can. it's time to upgrade with a little bit better. So I'm going to be getting better battery life, OLED screen, and an Ethernet port. My question is then, because I'm more surprised you're going, <laughs> you're going towards that kind of funny thought talking. No, but... Uh, <laughs> what uh, what would your feelings be if you you forked over three hundred fifty bucks this, this Christmas, and then the new rumor is twenty twenty two is the Switch Pro? That's a good question. I'll be a little bit more upset about it then if they if they if not not if a rumor if if Switch if I bought this. And I, and I think it comes out, what, October? Yeah, it comes out October 15th, the same day as Metroid Dread. If I bought this in October, and then in January, they're announcing the new Switch is coming out like in December, then that's the reason to be upset. But I don't think the new Switch is coming out. I think, and I will go as far as say this, I think that all the rumors and things and all the things they're talking about were true with the 4K screen and stuff like that. I think those are actually, it's actual truth thing. There is a switch like that that's coming out, but that's far away. And I think that's more or less going to be the switch too. You really do think that? Yeah, but it's going to be far away. I, I would I, guess 2024. Cause like, but also, that's where I'm, I'm glad I'm also out of that ecosystem besides, besides the idea of where people, that's why people talk the game, the games. I'm like, man. That looks good. Mario, even Mario Golf. But also, like, I had a Switch Lite, but now thinking about it, I'm like, I wonder what my feelings would be about the Switch if I had the more dock set one. And then that's where people are getting mad because there's improvements for handheld, but the people who have been invested in Switch and wanted something new for their TV versions, there is, there's absolutely nothing changed. In yeah, this. nothing changed for you. Except, like I said, like I said, Ethernet port, which is nothing major. But that, uh, yes, you are correct. And then also the idea that it does help 
down the road of like, hey, you wanted uh uh download a new game just instead of a dock is probably well, double. I, I have a logical reason why I think they put that in there. They should have been in the first place, but yes. What it should have been in the first place, and two, I think they're putting that in there because they're gonna start giving you more games to stream. Like the whole was it Resident yeah. Evil Seven was was able to you could just stream play it in Japan. They had what's the one they have here? It's control. You could play via streaming. And then also a Plague's Tale Innocence, which we just got the PS5 version. The yeah. Switch now has a cloud version that just came out too. Yeah, I think we're gonna start seeing more cloud versions of Switch games. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing games that wouldn't necessarily be able to run on Switch run on Switch because of the cloud. Like I think they're gonna lean more into that until we get this newer version of a Switch in 2024, 2025. Because they, they know that they can't, they can't at this point compete with PlayStation and Microsoft. I'm not saying they, they want to compete with them, but they know that at a certain point in time, it's going to get to that point where these third party companies aren't going to be able to make games for the Switch because they're making games for PS5, Xbox Series X, and the, the, it's going to be too much to scale it way down the Switch. Yeah, no, that's where, because clearly Nintendo has not been in compete in competition with anybody in a long time. But probably the idea of pushing third parties, or third parties are pushing them to like, hey, are you like even just if you want to stick to Switch, are you getting the new chip system soon? You know, and then how well is this cloud based gaming? That would be, you know, that's you know, it's so that's the thing. I think that's a happy medium, and I think. It would be easier for third party companies to develop cloud games for Switch because you have stuff out there like Stadia. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, you might have a point. And th- you know what? Hey, that actually, that I give you that. And also, I'm glad you got that without, honestly, I haven't heard anybody discuss it like all oh, those speculations that we heard are Switch 2. And I'm, you know, I'm glad you're not. A- Makes more sense to me. Because when I heard it, I'm like, all the stuff they were saying in those speculations kind of sound like, damn, how much is that thing going to cost? That's a lot of stuff. I'm glad you're not a grub fucker. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but that's like a, a 4K mini screen and all the stuff they said in that thing. That's a lot of stuff for somebody to come out next year. That should be like $600 or something like that. And Nintendo's not putting on a $600 console. Right. So I would think something like that would come out now. Three or four years down the line, that that same console coming out at three ninety nine makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. No, and then obviously that's basically it for that because I, I, I ain't gonna lie. I was kind of hoping it was a Switch Pro because then I'd be like, is this my time to maybe look into getting the bigger, just going down that Switch hole again? And like that's because this OLED one, I'm like this. I'm like, no, I'm gonna wait until I hear the next. What would be the next big upgrade thing? But if if I were to guess, I would think we're going to see this OLED one, and then by the time of next year holiday, we're going to get a Switch Lite OLED. I one hundred percent can see something like that happen. Like, hey, here's the Switch Lite with a like like a, a Zelda one, but a, with an OLED screen for two fifty. The only way they'll get me to even think about this year is if they have an OLED model Metroid bundle with the Dread. But I can see that happening too. 
yeah. But well, that's the thing about Nintendo. Nintendo will, will console you to death with consoles that have like the same innards and marginally, not even really marginally upgraded. It's just like the same shit, like the 3D, 3DS, the new 3DS, the new 3DS XL. Yeah. And people, because they know people are going to buy it. Nintendo fans are not that bright. They just, they, <laughs> they hear it, they're like this. Oh, Zelda? Okay. And then they, yes, don't, and, they don't care. And the thing about it is that they, they, they've complained about this OLED Switch, but I guarantee you a lot of them are going to buy it. So, oh, everyone who's complaining, they, they already pre-ordered it. They yeah. like to just, because that, that's the best part. They're either, they get mad at Nintendo, give the money to Nintendo, and like a, like a bad boyfriend. They get it. Yeah. But, uh, but the next news that kind of, kind of is, I think is going to definitely, um, the shit's going to hit the fan on this, but, uh, apparently the future of Assassin's Creed is going to be live service. Ubisoft Montreal and Quebec have teamed up for Microsoft, or not Microsoft, Assassin's Creed Infinity, a huge platform plan to have multiple settings. But after, um, you know, basically that's why it's going to be live service. I'm not 100% sure if it's going to be like multiplayer, multiplayer. The idea of it's just going to be an ongoing, revolving world of Assassin's Creed. The reason I stumbled is because I read, I forgot, I, I collected Jason Shire's uh, quote, which then he also continued, said, uh, several men accused of abuse are still in charge at Ubisoft, too. So that's that's also another red flag. Like, what the fuck's oh. going on over there? <laughs> Why did he add that random ass quote in there? Because it's Jason Shire, and he he that you know honestly, those are some of the newscasts I can stand for. That's not about oh how's the gameplay. If you're you know expose like hey there's shitty people working here. Still. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, go for it. But no, I made me look <laughs> made me sound um, special for it. But but no, um, I don't care. I've honestly I'm I've also I don't think I've said it on the show yet. But I am not buying a Ubisoft game ever at launch anymore. So it makes no sense to at this point. Nope. Seeing this year, this last year's uh, run of them, and then seeing like you know, because I I only did it because of like the deals, but also at the same time it it backfires. You know, I got Watchdog Legion at launch, and then got ten bucks back at GameStop. But literally in two weeks, it was uh, forty bucks. I'm like, damn. And you wait a month, it'll be like twenty bucks. And now, yeah, like three days ago it was seventeen ninety nine on their deal of the day. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I, I think the Ubisoft was kind of tricky. I, I even as getting back to the Assassin's Creed thing, that's not for me. I, I don't like when they do these whole like they did with Rainbow Six Siege. I was a big Rainbow Six fan. I liked the um, the ones they have for three sixty and. Vegas, yeah, that's the one. One and two, I like those a lot. And when they kind of took that away, like, no, this is kind of just multiplayer only, really. I lost complete interest in it because I didn't want to do that. And, and it, it kind of killed it for me completely. And I feel like if they do this similar, similar to Assassin's Creed, where it's like, oh, you got to be always online. And you have to, we're going to give you stories every month. They're gonna, basically, it's the Avengers. It sounds like it's the Avengers model. Shit. Yeah, where where it's just like, hey, Avengers games, like, hey, you can continue after you finish the regular player, the single player of it, you can play these war zones and stuff every week until we give you new, 
new story content. I feel like that's what they're doing with this Assassin's Creed game. That's what it sounds like, at least. And that doesn't interest me at all. I don't see why would I want to keep going forth. And why would I buy this when the last Assassin's Creed game gave me 120 hours of a game? That was a, a great experience. And the one before that did the same thing, told these rich and vibrant stories. And I gladly would give them $60 for that each and every time. I'd rather do that than just like, hey, you can play online in this thing and have this experience and it, it doesn't feel the same and it may be good, it may not be good because we're kind of trying to constantly give you content and when you constantly give somebody content, you're going to have a lot of hits and a lot of misses. Yeah, I feel like GTA does a good job with that monthly, but Ubisoft not GTA. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I also, I'm also been a person... I the last Assassin's Creed I finished was Origins, and for like that I think would have should have I think that hour span because I think it was, uh, I want to say it was like thirty five hours to beat, forty to fifty hours, or maybe maybe it's a whole other like maybe it was like sixty hours total to like platinum for that yeah. theory. That was the last one I felt. I'm like, you know what? That was a great game. I played Odyssey. I cannot finish it because it's just so big and it's also it, overwhelming. It's overwhelming. So does Valhalla. And Valhalla and Odyssey both now have, like like you said, it's like 80 hours to even just finish the main story. And yeah. it, it's, it's nuts. And I just cannot fathom it. And they, and, and that's a good conversation. They've been having content coming out out the wazoo with like the druid shit, but it's which is good. They have heard good content, but the idea it's just so much for me as a new person. I'm like, yeah, I'm overwhelmed about that. And then also this um, this always online version, like no, I think they're, I think they're not listening right. Just because there are free to play games that are controlling this the ecosystem and conversations. You gotta stick to your lane, and Ubisoft is trying to expand their lane the wrong way, in my opinion. I agree. I, know what I know what I would like them to do. I think, and this goes a long way with me. I think they should do it. Go the Witcher approach. They, to me, it seems like Ubisoft is making a Witcher game every two years, two three years. What I mean by that is, Witcher is a long game. Yeah, it's under twenty hours. You could make one of those every five years and we would be absolutely fine. Every five years, give us, make us pay for DLC. Here's a season pass. Here's another season pass. People will gladly do it. I bought Mortal Kombat. I love Mortal Kombat. Um, 11, I bought 11, I bought 10, and I bought the season pass. I bought the other season pass because they kept giving me quality content. I will gladly give a company money when they're giving us quality content over and over again and showing us that they're going to continue to support it. What I don't think is a good idea is releasing a game as expensive as Odyssey one year, then releasing two years later. What was the other one? Valhalla. No, no, it wasn't Valhalla. It was, it was, it was Odyssey, Valhalla, oh. and it was one more. Origins was before Val Origin, okay. uh, Odyssey. Origin, Origins. Odyssey and Valhalla in, in such a short time span. Like those games you can honestly last you for years. Yeah. No, and like 
that's why I want to play Odyssey because of I liked Origins story because it was the origin of the Assassin's Creed. And then Odyssey apparently is technically a prequel, but that's you learn that down the road. But I just like then they just overwhelmed it with and like Odyssey and Valhalla are definitely the ones that have the you had to buy DLC if you wanted to even have like a double XP so it doesn't take you so long to level up. Yeah. Those are red flags. And then what you said just now, it's actually a very good point because even let's say that's this like even take a step back and be pro Assassin's Creed Infinity, the new one. Yeah. Like this could be their Witcher style, like, all right, we're just gonna have a you buy this, we're gonna keep investing in this, but also like I don't think they're going to invest it into a story mode style because like, that's even more fun. You said that because the Witcher threes is coming to next gen this, this uh, year. They also said it during the whole December 17th is season two of the, the show, but they're adding, they're adding more um, TV show DLC into Witcher three wild hunt for the next gen consoles. And like, like, and that's good yeah. in the sense of like Witcher, I can see what you mean. Like if, if Assassin's Creed could go take a step back and say, we're going to try to make Assassin's Creed be like the next Skyrim. Where, yes. Where the idea that we are, it's going to be a game that we're going to invest in and it might, we'll be working on it for two years fully. And we're just going to make it, it's going to be out of the box, 70 hours. And we're going to add 30 more hours. That'd be like, well, okay. That sounds yeah legit sounds sounds legit and the problem with it is like i said when they do this you have assassin's creed coming out that's 70 120 hours then you have not too far after watchdogs coming out where it's 40 hours then you have another game from ubisoft coming out this way and they all come out around the same time so you're like how do you have time to play your own company's games if you keep putting out content like this at this clip that's so long no, I think they're, Ubisoft is definitely aiming themselves to, they're not going to implode the idea of you guys just went through the whole, uh, protecting themselves from like buyers like Tencent or some other bigger Chinese company. Like, and then you're going to, like, you're doing some implosion style shit in my eyes. People are going to buy because the narrative of the, the gaming universe is Ubisoft's doing great, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, they're doing some crazy long ass shit that I don't see where the selling point is besides people just buying it because they're uh, accustomed to it now. I think people think Ubisoft doing great because Ubisoft does this thing where they put these games out and they're sixty seven dollars when they first come out. Then a couple of weeks later, they become twenty dollars, and then they sell like crazy off of that, and then they sell the cosmetics for the games the XP for the games and make their money back on that type of stuff. Yeah. Rainbow Six is a casualty of that. Um, the vision is the same way. And I think that's a good formula that's going to last only for so long. After some, at a certain point in time, people are like, you know what? I'm not going to buy all this stuff for the game. I th- yeah, I think, yeah, I agree. And of course, I think I'm just with the Alvo narrative. I wish they just also would give a shot to, uh, a new Splinter Cell, but yeah, I think that would be good. I'll, why don't they just instead of making these Assassin's Creed games this expansive and stuff like that in every other year, why don't one team 
make an Assassin's Creed game and use the same team and another part of that team because that Assassin's Creed team is huge. Make another game. Make something new. Make something unique. There, there are moments when this, like, I think it was Odyssey. They had 11 studios working on just Assassin's Creed. So they had plenty of, plenty of yeah. hands on deck to do it. Split the resources. Yeah. Let somebody make another game. Whether it's Splinter Cell, it could be, make something new. Make Splinter Cell can... be only 25 bucks DL, like in, like a, not even a disc. Here's a, you know, we'll give you three levels, 25 bucks. And you get to fuck around with it and also give you that uh, co-op mercenaries, the old school stuff. Yeah. Give them that and then just see how it goes. I bet you money it'll, it'll be a top lister for at least three months on a, on one of those DLC charts. Yeah. Or they can even just say, hey, let's port over some of these. Everybody's doing it now and we're going to talk about it in a minute. Let's make a director's cut of Blacklist. Yeah. Let's put a sell Blacklist and put it on PS5. Since PS, I don't think that game came to PS5. No, PS4. or the first one, Pandora Tomorrow, or uh, I, I don't want to know. I don't remember the third one. Because I, I want to say Chaos Theory, but I think I'm thinking of a... Uh, Chaos Theory is a split cell game. It is? I, yes. I, I didn't know if that, or Siphon Filter. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Why don't they just start re-release, re- remastering some of those games and put them on PS5 and Xbox Series X? They, gotta make they sure would they, sell like hotcakes. They got to make sure they have Just Dance each year. That's why. Yeah. I don't know. Split cell double agent. Never was on a PS... PlayStation system. Put it on, hey, let's remaster this and put it on a PlayStation system. Yeah. I don't know. We'll get, we'll, we'll see when the time comes. But another, obviously, the next, well, yeah, the next big thing and the only thing we're going to talk about after this, and then hot picks, but, uh, uh, PlayStation had their state of play. And, uh, what, before we break it down, obviously, you watched it. Yeah. What, what would you grade it? A C. C? I'll tell you why. I think, I don't think honestly they should have did it. Hmm. I'm going to tell you why I don't think they should have did it. I feel like everybody was looking for PlayStation to come up with something after E3 as a response to E3. Doing something like this, while they gave us some interesting things, after E3, even if it's a month later, this shouldn't be your response to Xbox's E3. Not saying that PlayStation is making things to respond to Xbox E3 or E3 in general, but you have people kind of clamoring for something more, something different. I don't think a Death Stranding director's cut in Ghost to Tsushima is that. I I want to say. I do agree. I think after, cause I didn't know exactly how to feel, but I'm going to probably get, I'm going to put them closer to the fire than I should, but I'm going to give it also a C plus, but mine's a little different because, um, okay. We'll even backtrack. They gave us the horizon video. That's actually okay. Besides yeah. the idea of them hyping it and having an eight hour fucking trail cam before they even show 15 minutes of gameplay. That's that's another thing they have a problem with right now. And then two, they had the not even in a state of play. They just had oh, Ghost of Tsushima uh, director's cuts coming. Uh, and then they had that whole break, really poorly discussed breakdown of how to get uh, the PS5 director's cut for at the end of the day is thirty bucks. But um, but this is the reason I'm going to give them a little bit of pushback is because. You said this is going to be an indie showcase. 
you had a week, a half a week of people saying PlayStation is dog shit to indies. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to come back with, uh, uh, indie showcase and then we'll discuss it while we're through. And you guys, listeners, you tell me if you guys sound indie to you when we get to the nitty gritty in the middle of it. They started with indie because I am actually very excited with, uh, Moss Book 2 is announced. That uh, they gave us the first one for free. I haven't got to play it yes. yet, but I'm very excited for that they are continuing that saga with um with Moss. And then okay, here's the first little red red flag on a fucking indie game, Ilphonic Arcade Again. Does that sound indie just because they they did shitty games? No. Ilphonic, if people don't know, are the ones who wrote made Friday the Thirteenth and Predator. Not saying. Uh, cause just because you're indie, but also is your games quote unquote flop. Not saying they're bad, but the idea of it's kind of hard to look at you now as a, um, indie indie. Did you, uh, um, uh, have you got to hit that button? I couldn't find the fucking beta access on the PlayStation. Yeah, I saw it. I saw the, it's, it's on there. You have to go look. I found it by mistake for that game. <laughs> Like I was, I was surfing through the PlayStation games and I saw it up there. It's like, I think it's like twenty bucks. Yeah, no, the you the full game is twenty bucks. So obviously it's an indie price, and I think it comes out in September. I can't remember because I don't even think it gave me a real date. But for people, it's a multiplayer shooter. You can play solo or four player co op, but it's an online multiplayer. Like I don't even know, like a horde mode. I don't even. Yeah. Hundred percent sure, but you could. There was an early access. We can play it right now, but I couldn't find it. It's it's on there. I saw it today. I literally saw it today. And then the next uh, one is the they had a Tribes of Midgar post-launch details revealed, and the game will launch with the Wolf Saga season. Introduce new rune system. Thirty runes added with just the Wolf Saga shit they're talking about. Uh, que- special quest season exclusive items. And the reason it is an indie, but it's also being published by Gearbox. Is that indie to you? Gearbox is not indie at all. No, they just give out. They just do shit, shitty E3 uh, behind the scene movie shit. Yes. Um, the one here's these these next three are indie. Uh, Fist, that was tech, last time I checked was uh, is going to be. Uh, on Xbox Game Pass Day 1 for free, but they just confirmed that it is coming to PlayStation, PS4, and PS5 on September 7th also. Not saying it's free, but obviously, yeah. That's an indie tile. It looks okay. Did you see any of the trailer? you like, oh, that looks... I gotta check it out. Yeah, that looked okay. Yes. And then uh, next was uh, Hunter's Arena. It's an online game. It's uh, basically a Battle Royale Instead of guns or even swords, it's going to be like kung fu. Yeah. So it looks okay. And the only this now, granted, this is a cool thing. PlayStation Plus members are going to get it for free on launch of August third. And there's only two battle royale modes. It's going to be a solo bout against thirty people, and there will be a trios uh, team team thing. That looks. Let okay. me ask you a question, Fowler. Yeah. Can you really sell battle royale games at this day and age? Ooh, um, it is very hard because 
We've all, I, I've on this show, I've discussed, I tried that spell break, which is the wizard one. Yeah. That has some cool mechanics, but also at the same time. Uh, granted, it was also, um, PS4, so I haven't tried it on my PS5 yet. Uh, it was okay, but like, compared to the, the smoothness of, um, Fortnite, even Fortnite is smooth. Um, and then the, the, just the names of Call of Duty, it's, it's hard to be, yeah. you're, you're automatically overshadowed into a battle royale system that goes into what, what game? Oh, that, when you have Battlefield 2042 being overshadowed by a free to play battle royale, it, even Fortnite, I think it's kind of shadowing Battlefield. Yeah. And that's, that's my point. You can't, at this point, you can't charge for a battle royale game because there are so many out there that are free that people love that already have a community. Like, why would I pay money for your battle royale when Fortnite is free and I can probably play as tons of people that I would love to play as? I'll even be clear that Battlefield 2042 doesn't even have a battle royale game. Yeah. Mode. But the idea of there are so many different free to play options. Fuck, even Halo's multiplayer is going to overshadow Battlefield because of that price tag. Call of Duty Warzone. Warzone. Apex. There's a lot of, but also, uh, how would I word it? It matters on how they present it. Is, are they going to start off the get go because they're doing the free to play with PlayStation or, you know, you can download us for free. Are they going to give us cross play off the get go so that we have a whole community of like, okay, you can play with PC people. That, that covers some of the player base because it's definitely going to be a hit or miss. It's probably going to be a miss. Yeah. But I, I'll check it out because it's free, and which that's the way to get it in. But I probably won't stick to it compared to all my, you know, compared to like playing with Chalfie and Jawoosh on Fortnite. I'd rather just go play there. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. And then one of the a thorn in my side that hurts because of it uh sifu has been delayed it was and they did a it's a very tongue-in-cheek style of doing the delay because it, it was the way to show in the trailer that if you lose in the game you actually grow older and that's so they can show that you actually go learn more kung fu to like be prepared for that battle next so at the end of it, it says uh it was supposed to be this year that it rolled up to early 2022 it still looks good. Yeah. It looks great. I, li- I like how it looks. It's um a cool-looking game. I like the concept of the game. I I wait for it, and this kind of is just a casualty of COVID. This is a smaller studio. I'm quite sure they had to do a lot of stuff, not in the studio itself, because they're, working, they're socially distancing working, so I'm quite sure a lot. You're going to hear a lot more delays. And then, uh, yeah. Moving right along, we obviously had the we had a new look for this game called Jet and the Far Shore or Jet the Far Shore. It um it looks good. It uh the game switches between traveling by ship and by foot, and it, it focuses on exploration. And then when I say switches from that, like the ships are kind of like <laughs> they like coast on the planet because like the planet's the the ground, and like it looks like a little like. Like a little playboat in a big, yes. big water, but it has a very interesting, a very interesting indie uh, art style. So yes, there is another 
that is another indie game. So there's a small block of indies right there. But that one did catch me. It looks really good. It honestly, if it wasn't how would I word it, the next game might be my game of the show for me. But also at the same time, it's a big game. So I'm not gonna say it like that. Jet is definitely probably the the my little shiny star of the the state of play for me. Yes, of indie games at least. Yes. Because, um, and also it says it's come out this year still, so that's we'll see about that. But the next was the trailer for Demon Slayer's uh, Hinokame Chronicles that's coming out October 15th. And this game is becoming more and more like bigger for me each, each time I see it. And uh, now they have it. Obviously, you can see the pre-order on the PS Store. So I'm like this. Ooh, that looks good. I, I have an interesting story about that game. Um, when it got, um, announced, my buddy from GameStop called me and immediately said, Hey, I already got it pre-ordered for you, man. And he's like, go watch the show. I'm like, okay. And I started watching the show. I'm now on episode 11. Hold on. Show is fantastic. You haven't watched Demon's Demon Slayer? At all. Oh. I was going to watch it after I watched Juju Tyson, which I'm watching now as well. But he, he literally pre-ordered it for me. It was like, hey, start you, watching the show. Just drop the five bucks for you. Yeah. Dude, um, Demon Slayer is excellent. And then I don't know if you, you probably didn't listen to this in particular one, but me and, me and Josh went to the movie and I'm, this is this, this is why it's good. This movie is actually canon. It's not I heard like you the, told me that. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like the, the Dragon Ball movies. Yeah, and uh, that movie was perfect. And it's, okay. it literally starts at the uh, like there's 24 episodes in Demon Slayer. It literally starts at like the the last minute of De- episode 24. Okay, and it's oh oh my god. It is really good, and also, how do I wear it? Because there's, there's fucking weebs up on the internet that want to try to critique this shit, but it has probably the best art out there. There's the TV show? Yeah. The TV show's art is really good. I like how he swings the sword. Yeah. And the style comes with that, I, I like it a lot. Episode like, 11, you said? Yes. So you met, you met uh, the pig guy? Not yet. Because as you saw the trailer, the trailer is uh, like episode. Okay, I'm going to make the numbers up. I like, saw the trailer. I, like if you watch, I'm watching on Netflix. My daughter told me it was on Netflix. If you look at the trailer, it shows you an episode where he comes up in. It shows you a picture of him on the episode. That that house is what's in episode. I'm going to, because I'm, you know, you might say the correct number, but that game looks like it's playing episode 12 through 15, which is obviously that, that house with that demon with the, with the drums on its stomach. That's on season one. Okay. I got and you. It's, it's really good. And that's where it gets me. I, I thought it was just going to be a, a fighting game, but I didn't know they're going to put like some story arcs into it. I'm like, okay. I think that makes sense. I think is the cyber connect making this game correct? I want to say so. I know Sega's publishing it. Do you know about, do you know anything about Cyber Connect? That's the guys who do Naruto. 
Yes, the Naruto games were very story based, but they also had very good fighting mechanics. Like the new, yeah. I highly recommend if you like anime games to play those Naruto games. Like they had, they sell the um, original trilogy of those games for very cheap. They have all four on a bundle uh, on the store too. One I played, I wish that they. I don't think it it didn't go that hot, but the original Xbox 360 Naruto game that was like excellent. That was the actual open world one. hidden leaf one. That was fun. And then uh, Josh, he plays the My Hero One Justice Two, and there was a there was a quick moment when he bought it, like two weeks straight, just talking shit to people online because uh, they do out, and he loves the online, but he just trash talks it, and then just gets is just I couldn't believe how much trash talk he does while he's just doing the fucking all the kung fu shit of the my hero my like, god damn. That was a good one too, but the Cyber Connect ones are really, really good. I highly re- recommend if you like fighting games and you like anime, try any Cyber Connect fighting game and you'll be surprised how good it is. Also, um another good anime game, Tackle Titan. Pretty fun. I haven't played those ones yet. Um, and then another Sega one, because Demon Slayer comes out October 15th, but they also had a trailer for Lost Judgment, the, the, the next Judgment story. Sequel. Sequel. I didn't know if it was DLC or not, but it comes out September 7th, and this trailer was kind of cool in particular because it was the English dub version, but, uh, this definitely shows, this is, uh, they were definitely showing like the next gen trailer compared to like a couple, like a couple months back, they were showing, oh yeah, Judgment's coming to PS5. Here's the compare and contrast. And it kind of looked, I couldn't see the difference. But in this Lost Judgment trailer, I could definitely, oh wow, that looks excellent. Yes. They have definitely been improving the Dragon engine for these next couple games. But yeah, it comes out September 7th. And it goes back to my conversation for the listeners. Does Sega sound like an indie game studio? Not at all. And then the next one, um, they they might be indie, but more info on the Death Stranding director's cut. <laughs> and I don't think Hideo Kojima is technically indie, besides he just doesn't have funding no more. That, that I would just kind of say he's more double A than anything. Yeah. Um, it comes out September 24th. I will give him that. It's only 10 bucks to get it if you already own the game. So that's a very nice, clear thing. But they also didn't say it on there. I saw Jeff Keighley told me on Twitter after the show. So I don't think that's fair on them, too. But some of the new things, which I didn't know there was going to be this much, there's new battles, advanced combat mechanics, new melee, more weapons, a firing range, a cargo catapult, ramps, and more transport possibilities. And then... uh. There's going to be new story missions, and there's going to be a racing mode, so that like you can um, race on the fragile uh, roads. There's going to be actual like racing. I don't know. So, yes. And you can teleport your tra- packages now. Apparently, like if you carry a bunch of packages, you can have them teleported. So I think it's cool. You beat it. So yes. What was your thoughts with the director's cut? I wanted to play it to see how how is it. I liked that they had a story DLC in it, right? Yep. I'm interested in playing that since I beat the game. I want to see what that entails. And for $10, it's worth it to me. I love Death Stranding. Death Stranding is one of my favorite games. Of, when that was last year, the year before last? Two years ago. And it was it's a beautiful looking game. 
It was beautiful looking. I liked the story. I liked especially when a lot of people didn't like it, but when it, the further you got into the game, the more it felt like a Metal Gear game. Is there a, is there, I'm assuming so because it's Hideo. Is there a lot of open ended spots that the story mode missions could definitely like here? We're going to wrap this up better right here, right there. Oh, yeah. There, there was a point in the game a, where. We're just walking around on sand at the end of the game. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Like, okay, what do I do? You know, like, no, it's just walking around on sand. That trailer shows that, like, it showed in particular a still frame shot of a older lady with gray hair with a shorter haircut. I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but I'm like, okay, yes. it sounds like possibly um, not spoiler besides me just observing. Like, is that like the mom? But go on. But, but yeah. The idea of death, you know, it it's it was sounds inevitable. It's, there's definitely going to be more and more of these. I hate this is this goes into Scott Snyder. Fuck you, Scott Snyder, to make these director's cuts. So <laughs> everybody now says director's cut or this cut or want this cut. I'm like, yeah, it's becoming a bad habit. It's coming. And PlayStation right it seems like they're gonna be all in on the. Hey, pay us $30 more for the quote-unquote director's cut of this game. Yeah, but it comes, I forgot where it comes out. Oh, September 24th, like I already said. But yeah, it just kind of, it, it was a way better trailer than the, the reveal trailer with Jeff Keighley. But then it ended with Deathloop, which is obviously, you know, the indie studio of Bethesda Studios. No. Yes. Um, that indie darling. Yeah. Um. Obviously, just more for the highlights that you talked about each loop. You learn more about your target and the world. You can save abilities, weapons between loops with um, basically a presidium, which is a you know a material from the game, which you can find at your corpse, for example. And then multiple ways to get rid of your target. Uh, Juliana can invade your world PvP. It's out September 15th. And that was, that was nine minutes of that, and that was it for the state of play. Yeah, I think they should have waited. What uh, did that sell you on Deathloop? I was already sold on Deathloop. I didn't need to see any more on Deathloop. This kind of feels like they're retreading stuff already that we've already known about it. Like I knew that like she can come in and PVV and all that stuff yeah. like that. I, I feel like just at this point, and I know the game supposed to be out already because it got delayed, but. This point, we don't need to see any more Deathloop. Honestly speaking, like just, I definitely agree. Because also at the same time, they they kind of, in my opinion, lied. They said, "Oh, it's gonna be new gameplay." If you've been committed to just having fucking eyes open, it's been the same fucking level. We've been, we've been trying to kill that fucking wolf yes. for the past three presentations. They tell us there's eight different targets, but we've been keep on trying to kill a fucking wolf on this demo. The, so. The last one they showed, the trailer they showed for it, not at this um, state of play, but the one before this, I forgot where they showed it. They should have just left it at that. That yeah. was perfect. I think that one also gave us the theme song that people love. So yeah. Yes. But yeah, um, I I will agree. I definitely think play. I think they all should do better. But PlayStation needs to do better. They gotta quit getting like they gotta quit letting the media control how I'm going to say it. Like if you are sick guys, don't think you guys are not on high on the hog and being quiet. Then 
then open up, start talking. Because that's how the media is making you look. So you guys look like you're just look like a bunch of arrogant assholes not talking. And like yeah. all fans stoop in our fucking own thoughts. And then while you have your competitors being. Oh, well, Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft. I guess I'll leave yeah. it on that because I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, because Nintendo's not doing anything. anything. They're not talking. Yeah, they're it's just Microsoft is being way more forthright and open with their conversations and things like that. They're making themselves seem more fan friendly than PlayStation is. Microsoft is on paper, not because they're not doing it. They're not doing it on <laughs> with real money. They are just making it look like you guys like. They have a setup plan and it's very out there. Like, here's the roadmap. Not saying it's going to be a good roadmap, but the idea of like, we have, we can show you games that we're preparing for till 2024. Some might not come out till 2022, 2023, but hey, we're, we're showing that we're making them compared to this silent, uh, keep it, keep the guns, you know, keep the cards to your chest shit. I don't like. I, I will say this about Microsoft. Microsoft has done a fantastic job. About, of keeping the conversation about them this whole year. And what I mean by that is yeah. the acquisition of Bethesda, the constant touting and empowerment of Game Pass, like, hey, Game Pass is here, Game Pass is here, Game Pass is here, look what you can get on Game Pass now. They have been doing a fantastic job, even with their mess-ups. They've been doing a fantastic job about keeping the conversation about Microsoft. Here's, hey, look, we got an Xbox fridge coming out. We got this going on. We got this going on. They've been all year. Even when Sony has a game like Returnal coming out, we'll talk about Returnal for a little bit. And then us as PlayStation fans, like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Ratchet and Clank. Okay. We talk about Ratchet and Clank. Okay. What's next? Then we're quiet again. Whereas these, with, with Xbox and Microsoft in particular, you have the Bethesda story. You have the people constantly talk about how great Game Pass is. What's coming to Game Pass? It's and annoying. it's almost to the point where people are ignoring that they really haven't had any big games come out. Yeah, no, it goes into um, they are controlling the narrative so well. Like you said, Returnal. When Returnal came out, no one ever really technically, besides they said the game's hard, but the main conversation was, is this worth $70? Yes. And then people go, because Game Pass, like, oh my God. And then even they did it with Ratchet and Clank with the prices. And then, like, I'm like, it didn't think, go, it, it didn't stick as long as the Returnal one, but yes, I think that's Sony's fault because Sony, yeah, would kind of be greedy with their price increase and stuff like that. And you see that a lot of these companies haven't increased their price, and not only that, Xbox is giving you such a great value with Game Pass, and they're like, hey, we're gonna release our new games in Game Pass, so you have to pay us the Game Pass price to play this, like. That's awesome. Game Pass has definitely even, not even that, Microsoft was able to tell their listeners and people, oh yeah, we just actually, like we, a couple, a year ago, hey, buy Game Pass for, these games come out in 2021. Okay. They were able to say, hey, we actually are, pit, we're going to trash those these two ideas. We're going to start off brand new today. And they're gonna come out. No one bad an eyelash. They're like, oh, okay, that's fine. Game pass, game pass, game pass. Because like, um, arrowed or whatever the uh, obsidian, and then they had uh, 
whatever the la- next double fine game that's not Psychonauts, they have both been basically canned and they're just going to start anew. That happened, and then no one's no one's ever cared. They're like, okay, because of obviously they're in the they're in that ecosystem and they see benefits. So I'll give them that. Whatever. Yeah, it's a lot easier to not question Microsoft by not having enough quote unquote next gen games when you're constantly getting fed a lot of games every week, every month, or something like that. And it's constantly rotating, and you're getting a lot of cool stuff for free. Since so there comes with your Game Pass subscription, so. They're doing a great job with that. Now, yes, and then, unless you want to say it, but I was going to say, I was not saying those are games are game of the year contenders, but they are games, so you can try. But I also do think it kind of ruins the mindset for some to go, I'm just going to, goes back to that renting mentality. See, but this is the thing about it, and I think this is the interesting thing about it. Right now, they're not game of the year contenders. But eventually, there will be some Game of Year contenders in there. Like, you're going to have, eventually, you're going to have the new Halo Infinite. Uh, if I'm correct, Forza is going directly into Game Pass yeah. as well. Everything is. Everything is. Yeah, so, party. then, of course, you're the next Gears, all the Bethesda games that you, you would talk about. So, that's good. You're going to have some really cool stuff. And we don't really know. I don't think we know what is coming up. What's going to be the first Bethesda Xbox game that's coming out? You know what I mean? I'm not talking about, um, what's the game that everybody's talking about? Starfield. First, is Starfield supposed to be the first Xbox Bethesda game that's coming out officially? Is, uh, now, because can you remember, is it 2022 for, it's 11, 11, 22? Yeah, something like that. Because that, I know. Technically, it will be, uh, it will technically be Deathloop because Deathloop, um, exclusiveness. Is expires on September fifteenth, twenty twenty two. Okay, gotcha. That's what I'm trying to figure out. But uh, it's definitely uh, Starfield will be the first Bethesda exclusive. See, that's what I was trying to figure out. What's going to be that first Bethesda exclusive that's going to arrive with Game Pass? When that happens, that's going to be huge. Because uh, yes, and I agree. I just think. I ain't gonna say a word about that because Starfield is a a shot in the dark. It's yeah. from the creators of Skyrim, which obviously Skyrim has won multiple rewards, but also at the same time, we have now grown to the idea that man, Bethesda games are buggy as fuck. Yeah, I agree. But so this the this the thing about that. Even let's let's just say Starfield's a flop. If it's a flop, that would. It's not going to be a flop, but yeah. let's say it was a flop. It wouldn't. It wouldn't even matter because yes, we know Bethesda's going to have Doom come out on Game Pass, the next Fallout come out on Game Pass, and a whole bunch of other stuff that they're working on that's going to come out on Game Pass. So like, oh, I don't like Starfield, but we know Bethesda's going to have something else come out on on Game Pass really soon. That's brand new. Yes, but also I think it does matter because of a uh, like that. That is a big thing to say, hey, we're now on a, I know they do PC, whatever, but we're on a single console thing and we still fucked it up. Oh, that's, that's, that's very possible to happen. But, I think the thing about it is, I don't think people will care as much. We are Sony fans will make jokes about it and stuff like that. But if Starfield is fucked up when it comes out, 
we just won't get another Starfield, most likely. It's not going to hurt Bethesda at all, really. It's because they're kind of set up with Microsoft and their whole game plan is, hey, Game Pass is what's going to make Bethesda money now. Because all their games are going to Game Pass. So, like I said, Starfield doesn't work. Maybe this Doom will work. This next Doom game. Maybe this next Wolfenstein game will work. Which we know they're working on. They're working on a whole bunch of stuff right now. Yeah. And that's all going to be going to Xbox. So I think that's going to be really interesting. I'm, I, yes, I, I guess also we'll leave it on the, that because I just think also the, I think they put a good selling. They they sold a a Trojan horse to Xbox before the the accusation is how the last Bethesda E3 by themselves they had that stupid little sizzle reel of showing Elder Scrolls Six of just that town. Yes. Now the conversation just happened that Todd Howard goes, "Yeah, I'm thinking about starting Elder Scrolls Six. Like, yeah, that I knew the, that was a thing. So. But I, I'm not saying they're not gonna, they're, uh, uh, but yeah, just. I just thought about something. Isn't Ghostwire Tokyo a PlayStation exclusive too? Yep, which will probably have a year exclusive then. It'll go and that's coming out this year too, I think, so. There has not been any word yet that they've either moved it or not. I can't remember. But that's another thing, like, we're still getting Bethesda games for now. Oh yeah, no, it, yeah, that's why I don't, I'm also, I'm also a person, I'm not, I don't even give a fuck about Bethesda no more, cause like, hey, that's just how business works. They're gonna be exclusive. I don't have it, so. That's yeah. How it goes. But yeah, uh, that was pretty good. And then, uh, <laughs> I guess we'll leave on, you know, with hot picks like we, uh, we always do here, and then, um, we'll give, we're gonna start off with comics. I have a little list of, of course, so if everyone who listens knows, uh, hot pick for comics, of course, I'm going to shoot off some issue ones that start off this week, so you can jump in and enjoy a new comic and maybe like it. Um, first, is we're going to start off with Marvel, is Sinister War 1, so obviously we're going to have a Spider-Man War 1, like a mini-series happening, so that's cool. Uh, Scream issue 1, because apparently I didn't know that last week's Extreme Carnage is a one-shot, and this is the next one-shot about Scream. And then from Image, uh, Maneater Visions, Issue 1, Dark Horse, Savage Hearts, Aftershock, Be- Beyond the Breach, Issue 1, Behemoth, Spare Parts, Issue 1, which is a uh, collaboration or a prequel to a movie that's going to come out. And then also um, Valiant, whatever fucking that, the company that does uh, Bloodsport or Bloodshot. It's going to be uh, Valiant. Valiant. Nine Jacks issue one comes out. And then, okay. uh, of course, you know, for, I didn't say anything DC because this week is all like repeatable ones. Like this is like Joker week. So obviously issue five Joker comes out, ooh, which is an excellent series. But, uh, but yeah. And then also for TV. Hold up. I have a comic book pick of the week. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. You know about the, the masses of the, the universe. Kevin Smith series is coming out, right? I almost wrote that down from Dark Horse. Yes. Yes, there's a comic book that just came out today for issue one. That's a prequel to this Kevin Smith series. It's written by Kevin Smith. So if you're excited for the cartoon series that's coming out, the darker version of Master of the Universe, 
Check it out. I think it's going to be dope. I believe it's called Master of the Universe Revelations. Yes. And then uh, for for movie TV, I'm I'm picking for movie because I, I forgot to do it last week, but how it's working. Uh, the Fear Street on Netflix. Goes, uh, there's three movies coming out, and this week, or last Friday, was uh, the second one. Okay. And have you watched any of this Fear Street yet? I haven't watched any of it yet. It's actually I, not that bad. I, I pl- I plan on watching it, but I got confused because somebody told me about it. Oh, yeah. And they told me it was written by R.L. Stein. I'm like, yep. That's fascinating. This is an R-rated show. It's written by R.L. Stein because he's known for, like, goosebumps. So I couldn't compute it. But, yeah, I'm super interested in reading, not reading, watching the Fear Street series, at least, because um, it seems fascinating. I think. The first one is what eighty four or ninety four. Ninety four, and then the the this the one that just came out that has the the redhead from Stranger Things. She uh, it is um, I want I don't want to say eighty. I think it's I think it's seventy eight. Seventy eight. But um, like you said, it is a it's it is about R. L. Stein's Fear Street books. But last time I checked, because I was trying to look up, like, hey, which books are these about? It's it's a like a adaptation about it, but it's very good for the idea. It's rated R, so it's obviously um, has violent, or, you know, horror, gore, and shit. Uh, one thing I also, if you just walk in knowing it's going to be kind of campy, you'll have a fun ride with it because obviously um, it is it's rated R, but also it was it's like. We wanted to swear, but it's a PG thirteen with swearing because obviously okay. it, was, it gets that little campiness. But there are some interesting death scenes, and then seventy eight is uh, really it was really good too because I didn't know it because you know right off the get go it goes oh yeah we're gonna have Fear Street ninety four seventy eight and then sixteen sixty six. I'm like okay that's a big jump. That's the one I'm least interested in, by the way. You might you might like it because um they continue the story. It's not like so the first half of Fear Street seventy eight is actually the events of the ending of them talking to the person they were trying to get to in part two. But part three does have the most campiness where those people get sent back in time to sixteen sixty six to see what happened to the witch. Okay, gotcha. But it's not it doesn't look that bad, but the idea of compared to the other ones, this one definitely has its own path, but it's going to flip over to the 1666. But yeah, it looks, I'm going to, I, I liked it. I liked the first two. I'm like, Oh, these are really good. Okay. And then of course, just cause you're the guest, I like to have you uh, pick uh, music. Well, it's a hot track for the hot pick of the week. Okay. I'm a huge Nas fan of people who listen to my podcast. know. And this is the 25th year anniversary of it was written. Some people's favorite Nas album. So they released it with a couple of new songs. I think one is um Street Dreams with an extra Nas verse on it. So check that out. But more importantly, they remade an old Nas freestyle that was called Life is Like a Dice Game. And they remade it when they updated Nas's verse, Hitboy remade the beat, and they added Corday and Freddie Gibbs. 
okay. It's dope. You definitely should check it out. It's a modernized version of Life is Like a Dice Game. Dope re- remake of it and stuff. I really like it. Definitely check it out. Yeah, there you go. And then obviously, yeah, and that's the show in the sense we didn't give Delvin uh, enough chance to explain who he is and all that shit because everyone knows who he is. But yeah, tell the people where we can find you in all your shit you do. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Delvin underscore Cox. Check out the Delvin Cox experience anywhere you get podcasts. He's modest. Also, he has a Patreon that I would highly suggest that, you know, it's worth it. It's definitely worth a dollar, but I think it's worth more. But of course, you know, do what you want. But his Patreon is excellent. He's all, his show is excellent. Um, he does some pretty cool side up shows on there. Uh, you know, so tell me is probably my, one of my favorites. People say that's their favorite podcast, which is crazy to think that a Patreon exclusive podcast is people's favorite podcast, but I'm very appreciative of that. And then, of course, uh, I'll, you know, he does also, he, <laughs> he does little collaborations with other networks. You know, he does like a PlayStation X, uh, XP for PSVG and all that fun jazz. But yeah, no, check him out at Delvin, Delvin, well, Delvin underscore Cox on Twitter. But, you know, he's a cool dude. One of my one of my great friends. Yes. But yeah. And then of course you know where to find me at Mike Fowler ninety three on Twitter. And then um like we say every week, uh be good to each other and peace. Peace. peace.